Hey, TV fans, if you're excited about the season of 1923, or if you're excited about the upcoming season of The Last of Us, go check out the Prestige TV podcast. We're covering both, including Sunday night, right after The Last of Us ends on HBO. Van Lath and Charles Holmes, breaking it down. The Prestige TV podcast. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game, pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right, the hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress. There's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You can even work with your friends to crack open community chests and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or Google Play. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where I put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did Sideways, me, Sean Fennessy, Chris Ryan. My mom loved it, which is all I care about. That's her favorite movie, or at least one of her top five. I am also going to be on Off the Pike with Brian Barrett on Wednesday. Me and him and Kevin Hench are going to do the State of the Red Sox and the State of the Patriots. We're not happy about this Trevor story, just FYI. Spoiler alert for that podcast when it goes up tomorrow. Uh, also tomorrow on FanDuel Sportsbook, I always do a same game parlay of a Wednesday NBA game. I'm going to be putting that on my Twitter feed. If you follow me on Twitter, trying to figure out a perfect like four to one, five to one off one of the games. So stay tuned for that. On this podcast, Hall of Fame guest Zach Lowe, my old Grantland teammate, we are doing a home and home this week. He's coming on this pod today. I'm going to his pod on Friday. Uh, it is all coming up next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, taping this one o'clock Pacific time, Tuesday. My old friend Zach Lowe is here. We're doing a home and home this week. We're going to pick all-star starters and then go through some of the other all-star stuff in the East. And then we're going to do the West on his pod, the Low Post, later this week, probably Friday. This has been the hardest pick the all-star starter conference I've ever looked at in my entire life. I struggled with it. I changed guys around. I had a Google Doc. I'm moving people up. I'm moving people down. I could not settle on five guys. This is impossible. Do you ever remember it being this hard? Usually we had to struggle to get to a fifth guy. Now it's like there's eight guys. Who do we pick? 
Well, part of it is, and I, I kind of shirked the assignment a little bit because I just ignored the fact that Jason Tatum is in danger of getting squeezed out of the starting lineup and just put Jason Tatum in my starting five because it's ridiculous <laughs> not to have him start. So I had four locked-in starters and just like one spot that actually did. In that construction, I did not have a hard time with my starting five. But again, I, I cheated and I haven't looked at the NBA's ballot yet because I don't know. if Are you a voter for this? Like, do you vote for this? I am a voter for this. Have have we gotten that? I don't know if we've gotten the ballot. Like, we are just we got be able the, to- do you want to vote on this, but haven't gotten the ballot yet. I mean, can we just list Tatum... As, like, what are we doing? If J- if J- Jason Tatum has to come off the bench in the All-Star game, potentially, because we have to start guard X, it's ridiculous. Just put him in the starting lineup. Well, the Is that why here, you had a hard time with it? Because you didn't cheat like me? No, I felt like I was cheating in a different way. I'm just, Giannis is going to be on my first team. He just is. He's starting for me. And if I have to start him at center and I have to cheat a little bit, I'm just doing that. So... The question for me, I mean, the first hard part was Giannis, Durant, Tatum, and Embiid. Who's the odd man out? Nobody. And, nobody. Oh, you're going nobody. So you're going, going Tatum, Tatum at guard. <laughs> you're putting everybody in. Is yeah. this just fear of the Philly fans? What is it? No, just like what? They're, they're the four best players in the conference, and it's like clear. And I, what, like, what are we doing? Like, put them all in the all star starting five. All right, but that's not fun. Then we just wrap the podcast up and I'll say goodbye to you and thank Kyle. Like we, <laughs> we have to make this hard. Let's say we have to obey the rules to some degree. Like Jason Tatum's not a guard. You, Jalen Brown, you could really make a an actual what's, case that he might actually difference? be a guard. What's the difference? Yeah, maybe there isn't a difference. But let's say just for fun, you had to pick three of the four. Who's your odd man out? You have to have an odd man out. I think odd man out then is Embiid just because of games played and availability. Although now Durant's hurt, that's complicated. Yeah. But I mean, it's like these are these are going to be three of the five players on people's MVP ballots. Like it's it's ridiculous how hard this is going to be. But I, I I think just availability it would be Embiid, which is ridiculous because every time he plays, it's like oh 40, 20, and five for Embiid. Yeah. But yeah, it has to. I think it would have to be him. All right, let's go through the guys in order for the starters. So Giannis who's at 32, 12, and 5 this year, but somehow having statistically like his worst, his least efficient year since the mid-2010s. Of all the jaw-dropping Giannis stuff, 13.2 free throw attempts a game. It's a a little robust. It's a lot of of free throws. 13 per game. You're just like, I'm going to the free throw line over three times a quarter. When you play me, that just seemed like a lot. Uh, his usage rate is comically high, 38.9. Why is that, Zach Lowe? Because uh, Drew Holiday's missed a bunch of games and Chris Middleton's missed the entire season. And if he's not using up the possessions, it's like, all right, I guess Grayson Allen, you want to do some stuff for us? Uh, Marjan Beauchamp, you want to do some stuff for us? It's, yeah, what else are you going to do? Joe Ingles, yeah, though. Joe Ingles has been helpful for them. So Joe Ingles, there were some signs last night. First of all, yeah. quick crunch time. Second, didn't when did he tear his knee? This feels like a fast comeback. It was less the, than a year ago, right? In the age of everyone takes six months longer than people used to take to recover from every injury, which is, I'm not saying is a good or a bad thing. That just is what it is. Like Jamal Murray took a long time. Kawhi takes forever. That's just the way it is. We've learned science advances, knowledge advances. This is, it is like a year ago. And he, maybe this is the benefit of not being that athletic to begin with. He looks like right. Joe Ingles. He just looks like, oh, Joe Ingles is back. He didn't have any speed to lose. I was surprised. I thought the uh, the game last night was really good. Um, really, really, really entertaining. And at least the Knicks, 
we can debate the Mitchell stuff later, but at least the Knicks have reached a point now where the MSG games are fun. The crowd likes the team. They're competitive. They have a guy in crunch time who really has a lot of confidence. And what was one of the shocking things about the game was Ingles and Giannis were kind of two-man gaming it. Yeah. It was like, Ingles, you just showed up. <laughs> You're already in the, Now, they don't have Middleton. When Middleton comes in, I'll be interested to see who the five is, how they use Ingles, stuff like that. But um, it goes to show, to your point, how desperate they were to have anybody who could create anything next to Giannis. Well, Middleton, I mean, not, uh, Ingles has thrown, like, you You don't realize, like, I, the Bucks are are not a good passing team. And sometimes, like, just throwing an entry pass to Giannis is a freaking adventure for them. And then Ingles comes on, and you don't realize how much you're starving for a guy who can just like lob a pass to you in the middle of the lane when you slip a screen or just thread an entry pass over a front or something like that until he comes in and does it routinely. And you're like, oh my God, the Bucks have the Bucks have someone who can do this. It's like a miracle. Yeah. Uh, they he he might be a bigger part of their team than I thought. I thought they overpaid for him. I might I might end up being wrong on that. Yeah. As somebody who was once a great entry passer. I can really identify the other great entry passers. And you're right. The Bucks had no entry passers. And this is the first one. There was some, there's some weird advanced stats with Giannis about all of his unassisted baskets and how just how bad the assist rate is in the Bucks and stuff like that. So Ingles will help with all that stuff. The Giannis thing. So the Bucks are 26 and 14. Giannis has played 34, 40 games. He's been really, really, really like LeBron level durable over the course of his career, where it's just like, even when he gets hurt, it seems surprising and you just assume he's going to get up even if his leg is like next to the scorer's table. Just like, go get your leg, Giannis. Um, he's had four straight first-team All-NBAs and this year is going to be the fifth. And I'm starting to I'm starting to think of him big picture in that, in that kind of like pantheon all-time what-are-we-watching context where I had a friend of mine last week when everybody was going nuts about Luka and Jokic, including me on this podcast, say like, watch Giannis these next couple of games. Like Giannis, Giannis sees all this stuff. And then of course Giannis has the big games in a row. This is now a half decade of him just wreaking havoc. And it doesn't feel like he's 27. It doesn't, I'm trying to figure out the trade value. He's clearly the number one. It doesn't feel like there's any sign of a finish line with this. How long does this go for you? Well, he gets better every year. He's a better passer now than he was even last year. And like defensively, Look, the Bucs have been bad on offense. It's like one of the sneaky big stories. They're 25th yeah. in offense, 25th. Like, that means you're basically just better than the teams that are trying to lose if you're 25th. But on defense, there are entire stretches of the game when he and Lopez are in the game. It's like, I, what are you even supposed to do in the paint? Like, it's a complete no-fly zone with those guys yeah. around. His timing gets better and better. And why would there be a, a finish line? I just think, you know, I remember we did before the season, I think we did, something on like which of the top the current guys who made the top 75 had the most at stake this season and you picked Durant which I think is a which I think is I thought you were going to pick Harden you're like nah I gave up on Harden he's, he's not yeah. the number one guy on this team you picked Durant which I thought was a good pick and I like kind of devil's advocately made the case for Giannis just because two-time MVP every chance at a ring is precious Bucks are kind of sneaky getting a little old around him Middleton mm. is a potential free agent this summer. Has not really played this season. Like that's a story that I, I guess everyone's just assuming he, he got resigned. hurt last season. This is yeah. year two of him not standing on the court. 
And you you kind of were the first one to sound the alarm bells last week on your pod that, you know, are is there some frustration brewing within the Bucks or is there some stuff going on? And I think it's more just frustration with people's health and availability and losing and like normal NBA, like doldrums, frustration stuff. But like, I think you hit on something and it's not something we've really ever heard with the Bucks before. This is like, you know, happy-go-lucky, the Bucks, Milwaukee, it's fun. Um, they're 17 and 14 since starting nine and zero, and just, yeah. they need to, they need to get Middleton back and see what they have on offense because, um, they just haven't looked kind of the same. And that's to your point about Giannis's efficiency. Like he's amazing, but this is not a peak Giannis offensive year, really. All the Bucks fans got mad at me. It was like a nine second throwaway where I was like, hearing some. You know why, though? Hearing it's not the good ship lollipop over there. Which, by the way, you've heard and we've all heard. And like a day after I said it, they blew a 12 point lead to who is it, Atlanta with a minute and a minute and 10 seconds left. It's like this is not the kind of thing that happens to well, a team that is like running on all cylinders. And Sorry. That's why it's funny. You know, it's a dumb game halfway through the season. I thought that win against the Knicks last night was important for them because they were mm. down 17 in that game. They had everybody but Middleton, basically. They had just lost to Charlotte by 29 points somehow um, on the road. And it just like, and if they just, if the Knicks just win that game going away, it begins to, the, all of a sudden it's like, oh, the Bucks. like what's going on with the Bucks? Should we be worried about the Bucks? And they came back like, that was a real comeback win where the team decided like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come out and play. We're gonna play hard. We're gonna play together. We're gonna try to win this game. But just watching it, I was like, this kind of feels like a good win for them. You wouldn't I felt think the exact... you wouldn't think yeah, you wouldn't think midseason at the Knicks is a big deal for the Bucks, but I was like, that's a good win. Yeah, they, but they're during the, the season so long, there's seven, eight inflection points where you kind of have a moment where you you find out what kind of team you have. I thought the big thing for them is just holiday was awesome in that game, especially down the stretch. Down the stretch. And um I loved watching him go at Brunson. I was kind of shocked Brunson was scoring on Holiday like that. I don't really have a lot of memories of people going at Holiday kind of one-on-one a lot and getting the shots they wanted off him. They, they, like, how many times has that even happened? Chris Paul did it a little, but um, it's not it, it, not a usual thing. But I thought the Bucks. I was impressed. I felt the same way. It, You know how this goes because you're in the narrative game with the worldwide leader. Like You have like two bad losses it's a Tuesday. What's our first story going to be? And if there's some some smoke, you kind of drift toward the smoke. And we were doing it with the Hawks with reason because there's something like really wrong with that oh. team, with the talent oh. they have. And we've seen it all year. And then the stuff comes out. None of it was surprising. But with the Bucks, it was just, you know, small, subtle signs. They're always on the clock with Giannis. I know he's signed with them, but, you know, they there's always going to be an inherent pressure to put a really good team around him. And he was doing a lot, a lot more than he usually does this year for 33, 34 minutes a game. Like just the the offensive workload he had was kind of stunning. Now, as you said, he's also evolving into the kind of player who can handle that workload. But 38.9 usage is really high. That's like Westbrook 2017 level high. Well, and you were the first one to even um, mention the ownership situation there. And you did yeah. it like months before anybody else. And then like it went radio silent and everyone was like, well, that was weird that Bill said that. And then all of a sudden it comes out that like, you know, there was some actual fire there. And like, that's a whole thing too. I, I picked them to win the title this season and I've just been continuously and like, let me see their team mode. Cause Middleton is so important to their team, but I, they need him to get healthy and get stable. And Giannis needs him to get healthy 
and 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 stabilize their offense like now. When do you think I'm going to get to the point career wise when I throw stuff out that people are going to be like, oh, that's he must actually know something if he just threw that out. I think when, should, when is that? Like 2025? What am, what am sh- I looking at? You should be there, but I, th- this is where the Celtics thing comes back comes back <laughs> to bite you because uh, <laughs> uh, the, 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 uh, the conspiracy theorists will come out and say, oh, he's just trying to undermine the Celtics. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's the a Celtics fan trying to hurt the Bucs. Um, consecutive first-team All-NBAs. Ooh. This will be five for Giannis. Do you know who has the most consecutive first-team All-NBAs? There are two people. And the number gonna- is 11. I'm going to guess it's a tie. It's Kareem and LeBron. Very good guesses. Um, it is Carl Malone, the James Harden of his generation. What? With 11 straight first team all NBAs. Holy cow. Yeah, this is why the work that we do on podcasts and the book I wrote and some of the pieces both of us have written, like just to put the Carl Malone stuff down before 100 years from now the nerds come in or like, was Carl Malone the best player of all time? It's like, it's shit like that for 11 first team on NBA. It also, it also shows you the power of never getting hurt. Like to his credit, right. he was never, ever hurt. There was never a season where like, oh, he only had 30 games played this season. He's, it was always healthy. So after that, Bob Pettit and, and Bob Cousy playing against plumbers, both had 10 straight, 10 straight first team on NBAs. Wait, um, who was tied with Carl Malone? Who was the other 11 one? LeBron. LeBron. Okay. Yeah. Um, Korean? nine in a row, bird magic and Oscar nine in a row, nine first team on base in a row, just banging them out. Our guy, Tim Duncan, you and I riding, oh. uh, coach shotgun on, can we stop saying Tim Duncan wasn't one of like the best seven or eight players of all time? Like I, I'm in I the know. mode where now we're all fight people. What else, what else do people want? You want they don't want any. They, they don't want, care. He's not good defense, on TikTok. You want there's passing. No fun, yeah. There's no fun TikTok clip with Tim Duncan. Or a little tweet, the two minute Twitter clip of Tim Duncan was a problem. They, he does, doesn't exist. <laughs> it was like, it was like, no, the five titles were a problem. What about the time when he beat Shaq and Kobe in a playoff series when he was the only all star on his team? Um, Tim Duncan eight, Jordan, Kobe, Shaq, Elgin seven, and Jerry West six. Those are our only six and up guys for consecutive first team on bids. The reason I mentioned that is. To be one of the two best guys at your position or at center, the best guy for more than half a decade is pretty great. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of stuff that Giannis is looking at now. He got the title. He had the 50-point game in the game six. He's 27. The work ethic's there. But now what are what are the next three, four years look like? You think about when Kobe basically reinvented himself from 08 through 2012 and just put his career at a totally different level. Like he has a chance to do that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's early in all these guys' careers, but, and the Embiid health stuff kind of puts him in a separate category, the early seasons that he missed and all that. But you look at like just the numbers that Luca and Jokic and even Tatum are putting up at their age. And it's like, if they stay healthy, like if Jokic and Luka stay healthy, they they're going to be top fifteen players of all time. Like and Tatum could, and but but then you're like we're Tatum will be like of, top thirty. Yeah, we're, we're we're running out of like top twenty players of all that. We have too many guys. I don't know if it's like the the numbers are you you're better at this than I am. The numbers today are like you you kind of have to remember we're ten percent inflated compared to where we even were like ten years ago in terms of points per game. Everyone's averaging twenty and thirty points a game. But what these guys are doing is is 
you got to appreciate it in real time. Like this is just all time great stuff. What all these guys are doing. I was going to bring this up later, but we can do it now. I actually think the numbers are, you said 10%. It feels worse than that. It feels it like could 15. Be. I, was, I was being polite. And I think LeBron is a good indication. LeBron in year 20, I don't think athletically he's the same guy. Um, if you did split screen of him in 2010 or him in 2013, a season that we both revere, uh, that that third Miami season where he was like, we were like, is LeBron going to shoot 60%? Is this a thing that might happen? Versus LeBron now, athletically, he's just not the same guy, but he knows how to take advantage of the pace of the game and the fact that you can't really guard it anymore. He can get to the basket anytime he wants and he's still getting his 29. But I do feel like if you put 2010, like one of those two Cavs MVP season LeBrons into the league now, it's like 37 38 a game, I think. I, I just uh, don't think you would have been able to guard him. A fun thing to do once or twice a year is watch the fourth quarter and overtime of the Ray Allen game in the 2013 finals because they're down. Miami is down like 10 or 12. Yeah. Oh, LeBron played the best nine minutes of his career in that game. And I don't know why that, I guess all the drama at the end kind of overshadows that the Spurs collapsing, the Kawhi free throw, the Ray Allen shot. But like, yeah. I, I have it in a Pete LeBron scored or assisted on 29 of their last 38 points. Yep. And on D and on defense, to your point about his athleticism, it's like, oh my God. This no, guy he's is, like Pippen, Pippen level. Yeah, he was the highest possible level. So yeah, I look at that and I said this on the pod last week that it does feel a little like when the football, the passing got a little easier and the numbers just changed. And we might have to look at this. I don't know what the cutoff is, but you you might have to look at somewhere in the mid 2010s. Once the threes really came in and the spacing changed and the and the guys who were on the court changed, which I think is another big thing in this. Um, just go back and watch some of those 2012 games, the plotting centers we had to watch and you know the teams that tried to play with size and... I do wonder, like, like the David Lee Draymond moment. Maybe that's the moment when David Lee gets hurt and Draymond goes, and maybe that's the moment the league just shifts. I think of um, of Roy Hibbert and Perro Antic from the Hawks right. Pacers first round series uh, that year when it was like, oh my yep. god, are, are the are the Pacers in trouble because Perro Antic can shoot threes and and maybe I that also, was the moment. You're right. I I also think of what a big deal it seemed at the time when the Heat finally started Bosch at center in one of their playoff runs is like, oh my God, this Bosch at center. Okay. And now it's like, of course, Chris Bosch started at center. Like why, why were they, what were they messing around with? I well, remember when Paul Millsap was a three for a minute, like fit, like when oh, he yeah. entered the league, he's like, is he a three or a four? It's like Paul Millsap. The, the Boston, the 08 Boston Celtics. I always say this inadvertently invented small ball and didn't even realize it. Because remember, they love to go big. They love to have Perkins with KG and Big Baby or Leon Poe. And they, you know, that was the mentality. But then the game four of the Lakers series, that was when they went small. And it was the lineup. All the Celtics fans were like, every time we play this lineup, they kick ass. And it was like Eddie House, Posey, Ray Allen, Pierce, and Garnett. And the spacing was there. And all of a sudden, they, you know, the scoring was unlocked. But it, at the time, we were like, whoa, what a gamble. I'll tell Going you when small. The I'll tell you when the inflatable statistics really like when it landed hard on me, like like this is something I have to internalize and remember all the time talking about these numbers. 
is two seasons ago when Colin Sexton averaged like 24.5 points a game. And I was like, man, that is a Colin Sexton. Like, yeah, that that's is a, lot. a hell of a season for Colin Sexton. I'm like, maybe I like Colin Sexton averaged 25 points a game. Something must be going. And no offense to Colin Sexton, he's a good player. I like him. But like, that was a moment where I was like, that's something's that that's when it landed on me is like this is just a thing I have to keep in mind every time I talk about a player's numbers like oh so and so OG Ananobi's averaging 19.8 points a game like that's a big scoring numbers eh, it's like yeah that's that like big. 15 now yeah, yeah the usage rate stuff I just feel like in, in the old that like remember the the classic example perk shout out to perk we love perk um but OKC would run the token like two perk plays nobody does that anymore nobody nobody runs the token two plays for their big guy just to make sure they get their, you know, get get their hands wet before they just have to set picks for the rest of the game. It's that, that's, that's like out. that's like part of Jordan era Bulls scripture is the Cartwright yeah. post ups. Like you gotta give Big Bill Big Bill some touches early in the game because he's got to defend. Like every single game is like gotta give Cartwright the post touches. And he, Bill was like he was a good great post player. So you know it's fine. But yeah, you're well, right. think you about, don't see that was the whole point of the triangle was that in the whole reason Phil Jackson was so committed to it was he wanted everybody in the player to touch the ball and be involved and he wanted movement and he didn't want the ball to be stuck with one or two people. And now in 2023, the goal for half of these teams is to have the ball be stuck for two or three people and that's it. So I don't know. I don't know if it's better or worse, but the stats are definitely screwed up. Let's, uh, let's take a break. Yeah, and then all stars. <laughs> And then we'll keep going. Keep the NBA season going with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers, you get $150 of free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. On every Wednesday, I look at the NBA schedule. I pick a same game parlay. I tweet it out. FanDuel does a cool graphic and we're off. I'm going to do that on Wednesday. Stay tuned for that. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the aforementioned same game parlay. Oh yeah. And guess what? FanDuel is live in Ohio. So you can get in all the action with great offers just for you now and throughout January. Don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets with promo code BS. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. You must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right. So, so far, we've only picked one all-star starter. It's Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> We're at a, quite a pace. Uh, Kevin Durant was having oh. one of the four best, I say, stretches of his career. I don't, I'm very hesitant to say best season because... I still remember the 19 playoffs when he was just destroying everybody with this free agency coming before he got hurt. 2014 is just... Slim Reaper. Slim Reaper. 2014 is a great basketball reference. What the fuck season? You look at it, you're like, wait, 32 points a game. He played over 3,000 minutes. Like just stuff we don't see anymore. Um, I thought 2017 with the Warriors, that first like season when they were really, really like, oh my God, this is great. That was a really fun version of him. And then this, this last version of him where, you know, almost a 50, 40, 90 guy, 30 points a game, just all the usual stuff. It's crazy. He doesn't even the highest usage rate on his team. Uh, Kyrie does, but just the efficiency. He's playing really hard on both ends, Oh, which raises the question, 
why didn't you play this hard when Steve Nash was the coach, which is a whole other story. Um, but yeah, this is the best I've seen him play in a while. Where do you have him? I mean, he was, he was, he's a no brainer all-star starter. And I think you keep him there. Like he's played 39 games. I think he's missed two games and you look at up and down, like everyone's missed 10 games, seven games, eight games. Like even if he misses the next 15, he's still an all-star starter because he was that, he was that good. And yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I have nothing to add. The guy's just completely outrageous at every, every possible part of the game. He's the most well-rounded scorer maybe ever. And defensively, this is as good as he's ever been. And I actually think the Nets will miss him just as much, if not more, on defense than on offense, which is crazy. But um, he's mm. been he's been that good of a two way player for them. He was right. I mean, who knows? It's it's impossible to pick an MVP right now. But he he had as much of a claim as pretty much anybody, which is crazy. It's crazy. He's only won one MVP. We're gonna get to the end. And be like that guy was MVP once, and it and was so is Kobe. It was, it was nine year nine years ago. It's hard to win MVP. Yeah. Sometimes it's circumstance, whatever. And and he also, you know, he went to Golden State and became part of a much bigger ensemble during the peak of his career when he probably wouldn't have won a second one. It's funny. I remember when I did all those pods with him, there was one time we were talking about the All-NBA and the All-League. And I was like, I I think I, it was either him or Curry. And I was like, yeah, you missed too many games. I put you on the second team or I put Curry on the second team. It was one of them. And he was so confused by the logic of like, but wait a second, I'm one of the best players in the league or Curry's one of the best. Why wouldn't it be first team? Like, what does it matter if I miss some games? Like, it's still, it just like wasn't registering with them. But when you have this many great guys, the games played does end up becoming one of the deciding things. It's one of the reasons you and I, I mean, one of the many reasons we love Jokic. Guy's out there. He's he's durable. Please. You don't, if you, if you turn on a Nuggets game and he's in street clothes, you assume something horrible happened. I was interesting. It, it has been interesting. We're way off track now, but I was interesting to you. And who was it? It was Waz in... Um, oh, in Van. Yeah, in Van. And it's been interesting. We were talking about this on the show today. Like, Zach, you got to talk about, is it is it likely Jokic, you know, do, do you need to start warning people that Jokic could win a third straight MVP? And I'm like, I think the public discourse has kind of come around to just he's awesome. Like the, like the, the whole like Jokic skepticism is kind of weirdly faded away. Like it's it, it to the degree that it ever was any, it's just like, everyone's kind of like, yeah, if he wins, that's fine. If he wins three in a row, like I thought there would be this outcry of like, we can't give it to him. He hasn't won a championship. And it's kind of like, yeah, if he wins it, he wins it. He's averaging a triple double, basically shooting 60%. Yeah, he's, he's, he has the respect of, of pretty much everyone now. And his team's much better this year, which has brought out all of these new pieces. I mean, yesterday they played the Lakers and he's like, I'm just going to take five shots. I'm going <laughs> to see if I can get to 20 assists. <laughs> I'm going to see if you can make a YouTube montage of all my assists in this game. Do you see that one where he went down the right? He went driving down the right. He did this spin move, went on the right. It looked like he was going to lay up and then wrapped around to a cutter down the middle. <laughs> the Gordon. guy was like, it's like, all right, I've never seen that before, except for yeah. Larry Bird. I've never seen that specific pass. He, All right, the thing, the thing with him is he just has to be such a delight to play with. Like if you're on that, and that, that's like my, to me, like the final level of hoops is like, if the other guys are like, I just can't believe I'm on this guy's team. It's, it's like, if you're in pickup, you know, you're waiting all day and then you end up on the most fun team to be on. And you're just like, oh my God, I hope we keep the court. I love playing with this guy. I don't want to lose. I just want to keep winning. And that's what all those guys on that team, they're all better because they met Nikola Jokic. Well, and you're you're 
you know, this is the double-edged sword of the the usage rate stuff you mentioned before is, you know, guys want to touch the ball. Like, there is something to the guys will play harder and on defense and be happier and do all the little things more if they're not just sort of chilling on offense while right. Trey Young runs 90 pick and rolls every game or Luka runs 90 pick and rolls every game. And you can win that way. Like, Harden almost won the championship with, with that kind of style, you just have to be like one of the five best players in the league and you need to have another guy who's one of the 12 to 13 best. It's it's hard, but you can win that way. But there is something to the like, people want to touch the ball. Like even, I don't need to shoot, but like pass it to me. Let me do a handoff. Let me drive and kick. Like I want to do something. It's basketball atrophy. This is the hardest thing with the Celtics with Neesmith. As you knew, I had a lot of, I owned a beachfront house on Neesmith Island. And he just stood in the corner for two years. And it's like, is this guy good or not? I'm like, nah, you know what? This guy gives a shit. He's super athletic. I'm, keep, I'm keeping the house. And now he goes to Indiana. He gets to play with Halliburton, who's one of the most fun guys in the league oh. to play with, on a coach where everybody gets to touch the ball and move. And now it's like, guess what? He's an asset. I do think basketball atrophy, sometimes it's hard to even say, I don't know. It's, I don't know if this guy's good. It would be it would be really fun as a GM to try to figure out is this guy like kind of an underutilized asset or not. Romeo Langford, I gave up on, and even though he's had some good Spurs games, well, I'm, I mean, I can tell you the Kings when they traded for Herder, that's what one of the things they were betting on is like this yes. guy can do stuff we haven't seen him do, and and it's hard to fault the Hawks. They made the conference finals and all that, and he, he was a huge part of that. But like they bet on this guy's got more to his game, and we can bring it out with Sabonis doing all the funky handoff stuff that he does and all that. So Ben Simmons does himself combust in that round two. Oh my god! There's like nine sliding door moments from that, <sighs> right? Atlanta, we don't we don't have to do the asterisk with every Trey Young conversation. Well, they did make the conference finals and then you just kind of have to say that. Um, he's, he's been not fun to play with for four of the five years that he's been in the league or maybe even four and a half. But then... Relevant you know, the to our all-star, relevant to our Eastern Conference all-star discussion that we're supposed well, he's to be not on having right now. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let me keep going. Last thing on Durant. I, before he got hurt, would you have had him second team all defense? I, I haven't actually sat down and listed the, the But would the he have been in that conversation oh, at least? Yeah, he would have, right? 100% for sure. 100% yeah. for sure. And I think that's why I wanted to mention that. The true shooting of stat, I totally, I don't totally understand, except for when it's over 60, that's kind of where you want to be. But when it gets higher than 60, I don't really know how to put it in perspective. But Durant's true shooting was 67% this year, which is usually where like dunking centers are. Yeah. It's um, like DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan leads the league in field goal percentage. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thought that was notable, but you know, this is who he is. Since since his first like good season in 09, he's been 28-7-4 every game. This year he's 37-4. He's, he's always been close to a 50-40-90 guy. I was going to say, I years. think he's only actually done 50-40-90 once, maybe twice. But he's but always he's, lingering. He's, it's right there every year. It's like 50-41-89, yeah. 52-39-92. It's crazy. He's close every single year. And then the other thing, he's sixth in points per game, which maybe that's how when these stats are so weird now, that's one of the things we'll have to look at is like, were you a top seven score how many years in a row and that maybe that'll be the cutoff. All right, Tatum. Um, so Tatum's basically having the 
not the from a shooting standpoint because he's 47, 35, 86, so he's not really a 54, 90 guy. But the numbers are basically KD numbers, right? 31, 8, and 4 is like a typical awesome KD season. A little bit of a bump because of where we are, but the free throw attempts are now up to 8.6. Delighted to no end. I've been arguing about that for three years. Like, just go to the line twice a quarter. Can you at least do that? He's doing that. Um, over nine threes a game. He's durable as fucking shit. 39 out of 41 games. 36.7 minutes a game. It's a lot. Which in this era is a lot. In the old, you go back to the old KD. Go look at KD on Basketball Reference where I think he has four or five years where he's over 3,000 minutes in a season. If never someone averaged now. 40 minutes a game today, that's all we would talk about on TV for every single day of the NBA season. Is like, Maybe oh that God, should be Nick Nurse's move. A game. Nick Nurse is so close. He could just, three more minutes a game, You could they'd start talking to Raptors. Um, usage is okay, 33. Pretty solid, right? To score yeah. 31 points a game, 33, not bad. Speaks to the ball movement and the guards on the Celtics more than anything, and the pace. Here's what was interesting with me. First Celtic ever to score 1,200 points halfway through the season. I feel like okay. we've, moved, we've moved to a world, I feel like the total points title should matter more than points per game because now you're bringing durability into it. Who has that right now? It's it's probably Tatum or Luka would be my guess because Tatum's only missed two. I think Luka's only missed a couple. But just in general, like, if you score 2,400 points in a season, you either average 30-plus a game or you played 80 games or both. And that list isn't long either. But I don't know. I, li- I like the combo, it's, it's, the durability. It's, Lu- it's Luka right now. Yeah. Um, KD's best season ever was 32-7-6 and six in 2014. That's Slim Reaper season. Russ was hurt yeah. part of that season, right? 50-39-87. So we always wondered, like, could Tatum... It's never going to be as great as KD, but could he... Could he be in the vicinity? And you would say he's in, I would say, the vicinity of a peak KD season, right? Yeah. Look, I mean, like, let's let's simplify right now. If you cheat like I did, if you just had to pick the five all-star starters with, like, reasonable positional rules in the East. Yeah. This is who they should be. Tatum, Giannis, Durant, Embiid, and Donovan Mitchell. Do we at least agree on that? Like, if you finagle the rules so you can pick the five best guys, those are the starters in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, my rule with this is if that was a fivesome, could I could they make sense playing basketball together? And I think Embiid, Giannis, Tatum, Durant, Mitchell, even though they'd be long, Dude, would still work. I, we I could coach yeah, that team. That would We'd work. be fun. I mean, we coached a celebrity team once. We lost. Well, Kevin we Hart killed us. I've rooted against all his movies ever since. <laughs> um <laughs> I just remember sitting awkwardly on the bench talking to a supermodel whose name I, I don't remember anymore, but she was, oh, was, one, a, she was yeah, delightful. Victoria's Secret. She was she great. Was she didn't care about PT. No. She was great. Um, yeah, so with Tatum, I guess my question for you is, is there another level to go up beyond this? Or is this is this the ceiling for him offensively, factoring in that the game continues to change and maybe points will continue to go up a slight bit, but I mean, is he, what's reasonable? Is 34 points a game reasonable for him? I yeah, feel like I don't, kinda, you think, I don't, you think it is reasonable? I don't think this is the ceiling just because look, the numbers will be what the numbers are, but I think qualitatively he will have better three point shooting seasons than this and better three point shooting stretches than this. And I think yeah. we'll see the same Giannis thing where like 
maybe his assists never leap that much and leap off the page, but you'll see passes every year, every week. You're like, oh, that's not sure he would have made that pass like last season. His passing will just get incrementally better every season. He gets experience being the guy and having the whole defense throwing at him every game. So I don't, I don't think this is, I mean, his ceiling just can't get much higher than this because it's already, he's already so good, but I, I don't think we've seen the best Jason Tatum yet. Yeah, he'll have like a 42% three-point shooting yeah. year or something like that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the passing because I was at my daughter's high school has this whole event where they compete against this other rival school and all the winter sports all at once. So like she played her girls' soccer and then the boys' soccer and then the boys' basketball played. And we have like really good LA basketball, right? So this was Crossroads against Brentwood. Not like two of the top 10 LA teams, but really good, like good basketball. And I was sitting there watching... Brentwood was like doing this frisky press thing. And I was sitting there watching it with my mindset in what I watch every night with NBA. And I'm just like, why is that guy penetrating and then doing the one-handed loop pass to the guy in the corner? And you're thinking like, <laughs> oh, because the NBA players I'm watching are aliens. Like yeah. even that Tatum pass that he can do now, which he couldn't do two years from now, no normal person can make that pass. And we're just like, yeah, he's added this pass. It's like, yeah, he's added the single hardest pass you can make when you're a scorer and your mentality is to score to just suddenly whip it cross court into the corner. I, I don't know. I just feel like the league is just getting better and better and better. CJ McCollum. I was watching Pelicans Wizards last night. CJ McCollum had this play on the sideline where he like gathered a tricky pass that almost led him out of bounds. And just like in a snap, like in a, in a play where you and I would have just fallen over and the ball would have gone out of bounds. <laughs> right. And like it, before you even knew what was happening, he was rising up for like an absolutely gorgeous mid-range jumper off the glass. And then like, wait, wait, I had to rewind. I was like, what just happened? How did CJ McCollum do that? And it's like, oh, because these guys are doing things with their bodies that you and I just were not, not only can we not do them, like we don't even understand what the hell is going on. They're so ridiculous. And yeah, the equipment's great. All the... All the stuff they can, oh, my calf hurts a little bit. You can have somebody beat the hell out of your calf until that goes away. It's amazing stuff. All right, so we're, we're there on Tatum. By the way, only 30 guys ever have scored 1,200 points at the halfway point of the season. Wow. That was, uh, I saw it at Boston Sports Info, kind of an underrated Boston sports account, but that guy had that. Shout out to that guy. <laughs> um, okay, so you have Embiid. All right, this is where I'm going to differ. I'm going more traditional. I have Donovan Mitchell. I'm glad you're sitting down. I have Tyrese Halliburton as my other all-star. It's fine. And you know why? Because I want to see him in the all-star game. He's fun to play with. Hey, Remember hey, look, that man. stretch when we had no good point guards in the all-star game and it was like Jason Kidd should just have to play for both sides and then Chris <laughs> Paul got good and, and then we had enough point guards again? Halliburton in the all-star game is going to be awesome. He probably won't shoot. He'll have like two points and 12 assists. Look, if I can't put Tatum at guard and I have to bump one of the front court guys, I Tyrese Halliburton might be the right answer. Like he's on my so I've got those five locks in, right? That I have as my fake starting lineup. And then I have five other guys that I'm like, I'm pretty sure these should be the next five guys in the all-star game. And he's one of them. Like he's 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 like the advanced stats, whatever numbers you want to use, they're and they're good. <laughs> like the pacers are good and they're not going anywhere. He absolutely yeah. deserves it. The shooting numbers and the passing numbers are outrageous. Like, I don't, I don't think that's an are you sitting down okay, moment good. If, if you've been paying attention to the NBA. The Pacers are 23 and 18. 
they over and over again win games in the fourth quarter with like really smart offense. And because Halliburton is fantastic, he's a franchise player. He's 20, 10, and four this year, 48, 41, 89 percentages. He's almost a 50, 40, 90 guy. Um, 56% on twos stands out to me too. Like he, his finishing, the question with him is like, is he athletic enough to finish in the lane, to beat switches, to do all that stuff? And he's like, he's answering all those he's questions answered Immedi- that. immediately. Like immediately as the, as the number one guy, he's answered all those questions. I remember I was talking during that draft because I loved Hal Burton. And I was talking to somebody who had a pick in the top, let's say top 11. And I was like, I don't understand this Halliburton thing. He's going to be good. I don't what I don't you guys overthink this stuff. And the guy said to me, his shot takes too long to, to when he shoots it, it's like the releases, it's he's just not gonna be able to shoot that way in the NBA. He won't be able to create his own shot. And I was like, I don't know. I I just th- this is who he is now, but we already see like he's gonna be way better five. I just I, they overthink this shit all the time. This was a guy who played so well with everybody else and all the stats were like, he didn't need the ball to be awesome, which is like, that's the number one thing I'm looking for now with the way basketball is played. Like, do you, do you not need the ball that much and can you still affect the team? And this was like the number one example of that. Um, he's a 2010 guy, which is a bigger deal than I think people realize. I went and looked this up. We've only, do you count... James Harden and Russell Westbrook as point guards or no? Yeah. When they did their 2010s? Okay. Yeah. So we've only had 32 seasons ever of 2010. And they were done by the following people. Oscar Robertson a bunch of times. Magic, Chris Paul, Isaiah, Kevin Johnson, Tim Hardaway once. James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Tiny Archibald once. Darren Williams once. John Wall once. And Tyrese Halliburton this year. And I think he's 23. Should be an all star. I mean, we can Not talk nothing. about the we 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 should we can talk about the other guard candidates. So, I who was the guard that you that he was the toughest call over? Like your first guard off the bench for the Eastern Conference, Jalen. Yeah, if we're counting him as a guard, I think that's the right answer. Well, let's let's do we'll do those th- those three, and then we'll do Embiid. The Mitchell's the one who has to be in there. Twenty nine a game. He's almost yeah. a fifty forty ninety guy. Um, Cavs the are shooting. Good. The efficiency of him, um, every single instinct we ever had with that trade of like, this will be great for him. This is the perfect team for him to go to. It's been realized. The only thing I worry about one iota is just the Garland piece of this. Because Garland was an all-star last year. And just, would you? I thought it was going to be, I thought they were going to be kind of co-driving on the road trip where it was like, all right, when we get to Kansas City, we'll switch. And it's like, this is Mitchell's car. And I just wonder how is Garland going to feel about that long term? So far, probably fine. Well, but, but we'll see. I mean, but, but he was on my short list of guard candidates still. I mean, 21 and Garland. eight on, on yeah. good shooting. Um, they've been, I think, plus six per 100 possessions when he plays without Mitchell. Uh, he has missed nine games that everybody has. He's still, he's still. He got poked in the eye though. That was different. Yeah, that was right at the beginning of the first game of the season. I think he still had a one hell of a season and is, I think, I think clearly Cleveland's second best All Star candidate over yes. Mobley and, and Allen. I've kept all my Mobley stock. I was hoping for ten percent more this, this year. Whole, from him. like so, it's it's just crazy to me that every year 
every year, two things happen and they're totally contradictory. Every year there's a Lowry Markkinen or a Victor Oladipo where it's yeah. like, oh my God, we gave up too early on this guy, young guys, some guys take time. And at the same time that's happening, everyone's like, I'll out Lowry Markkinen, got to find the right place, right time, right maturity level, whatever it is. At the same time that's happening, the same people are like, what a disappointment Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley are in their second season. Just these guys are just regressing. It's just a disaster. Oh my God. It's like, how can you believe both of those things at the same time? Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley are going to be totally fine. Mobley's fine. He just didn't go up offensively. Like he still can't shoot. He's still shooting like 56% out. He's, no, I'm his saying twos he can't are shoot. crazy. Yeah, what are threes his threes? Are, yeah, the threes 20. are a disaster. I thought it, the threes would be a little better. And they, teams it's early, just played, man. It'll come. It'll, it'll come. come. He's, he's I like just, 20 listen, years man, old. I was throwing the Tim Duncan name around with him. I just wanted it to go up a notch. Tim Duncan won the finals in his second year. Um, Barnes, I'm way more alarmed about. And I think it's a combination of how they're using him. And he's lost confidence in his shot. You can see it. And teams are now playing him like this guy doesn't really want to shoot. Like he's getting oh, that, they're they're playing him like Simmons and Draymond. They're yeah, he's like, getting the right. Simmons treatment. So that I think that's more alarming because in July I think we both agreed. Oof, I don't know if I want to put Scotty Barnes in a KD trade. This was July. Now you'd be like, wait, I can get KD for Scotty Barnes. I think that has changed. Mobley, you know. I'm, 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 as I said, I'm keeping all my stock. Oh, you couldn't. Mobley is unbelievable. 14 and nine, but the defense, I mean, he's he, defensively Mobley is as yeah. advertised, like yeah. already. All the, the fun advanced numbers that we always wanted to be able to just look up on a dime and now they all exist. All the rim protection stuff with him, all the five men, like it's, he's fine. I just, can you start making some threes? Give him a Please. little time. Just start Give making some threes. Time. Get in the gym. Um, get in the gym, says get Simmons. Get in the gym. Oh no, my I'm kidding. God. I love my, Mobley. You're my guy. Um, wait, before we keep talking about Mitchell, let's take a break. Okay, Mitchell. Here's another one. This is how the stats are just getting weird. Mitchell's a shooting guard. 31.8 usage, not high. 63% true shooting, really high for a guard. 49, 41, 87% shooting splits. It's just unusual. I, and I don't really know how to process it yet that we might just, this is this year an aberration or is this where we're just heading? And it might be where we're heading. Maybe these guys every year, they get a little more skilled, just a little better combined with the pace. Like everyone's been talking about this for the last week. But if you just showed me that Donovan Mitchell whole thing before the year, if you showed that to me five years ago and we're like, these are going to be Donovan Mitchell's stats in 2023, <laughs> I would have been like, is he the leading MVP candidate? You were like, these are basically Kobe stats with better it's, percentages. And, and to, I said this after he scored 71 points, he's not going to crack. He's not even like top five in MVP. Like he wouldn't crack nah. hardly anyone's ballot. In the MVP. It's insane. How, how well these, how, what these guys are doing. What's your perfect fifth guy for them in crunch time? You can go grab anyone from any roster, realistic, who makes like between nine and eighteen million dollars. Let me bring up. All right, so yeah, I have to be. I have to be realistic. Um, so is it like a Bogdanovich? You probably can't get because you don't have the picks anymore. 
No. Caruso, I think, is off the market now that the Bulls have shown a lot of signs of life the last three weeks. Yeah, nineteen and twenty-two. The Bulls are coming. The Bulls are coming right along. I mean, no, it they, be and so- it's they've been good for three weeks. Like they gave the Celtics everything they could handle last night. The well, Bulls they, are they, the Bulls they, are in the mix again. They've played the Celtics stuff every game. It would have to, if I'm being realistic, salary wise and like ambition wise, I, I think a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith would be fine. Like just like I don't need a, like hmm. you want. Everyone would say OGN and Obi and this and that, but just realistically, what's possible both trade wise and salary wise going forward? Like that's that's a guy like that would be fine. So Levert for Dorian? No, nah, I don't think Dallas does that. That's an interesting trade, though. It is interesting. Uh, that's a really interesting trade. Did you just make up make that up right now? But listen, this is this is why I'm in the Hall of Fame for fake trades. That's I a, didn't get there by accident, Zach Lowe. Um, another yeah, ball Levert. handler for Luca. Man, it's it's interesting. One. Dow, the Dallas people love Finney Smith, though. They do. But He's good. Finney Smith. It does every feel good like team one of those. Finney Smith. One of those three guys needs to be traded, though. Hardaway, Bullock, or. Finney Smith, because that's the, really the only way they're going to be able to improve this year. Yeah, so the Mitchell thing, I talked about this last week, and I know you did too, but just like, if it's happening on the Knicks, it's fun. But I'm also glad it's happening on Cleveland because I care about Mobley, and I care about Garland. I also love Garland. I love both of those guys. And I actually think this was the best scenario for everybody that he went to Cleveland because we have a real contender. I think the Cavs are going to be heard from. And, uh, and it's hey, been man. fun for Mitchell. It wasn't fun watching him last year. He didn't seem happy. The Knicks are 22 and 19, and they have the fifth best point differential in the Eastern Conference. It's not like they're uh, suffering, you know? They have two guys on my top 12. Two um, all stars. Do you have, they have, you're giving the Knicks two all stars? They're in my mix. They're in the mix for sure. My third guard was Jalen Brown. And I feel terrible about this because I watch more Celtics than anybody else, obviously. And I think he's been awesome this year. And 27, seven and three. Paul George's best year in 2019 was 28, eight and four. Jalen's so shooting 50% year, this year. Paul George shooting 44% that year. Um, what, always, are the three, what are the threes though? Because Jalen's at 32 something now, right? Jalen's at 34 and Paul George's at 39. Yeah, Paul oh. George's a little bit better. But this was the case of when it was like, we got to trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard. It's like, and I remember on this pod laying out the case and people thought I was being a homer. By the way, I've been wrong plenty of times. I'm just saying this we time. All have. Um, I was like, look, <clears throat> why can't this guy be Paul George? They're the same size. They have the same pedigree. He's been in big games already, like Paul George in those early Indiana years. Like, why, why can't that happen? And it feels like it's happening. Paul George still, there's a cerebral playmaking piece that I'm not sure Jalen will ever totally have. But it's it's better. And he's I think he's a better ball hander than he used to be. And he's also, I think the most competitive he's been. I do think that Warriors series and Draymond standing over him and that whole thing was a little bit of a reckoning for him. There's like an edge to Jalen this year that I don't feel like he had last year. You agree with that? He's more physical um, than peak Paul George, I think. Just stronger and more physical going to the basket. Um, Like people bounce off of him and he, he clears space so easily just with physicality. Paul George does it with like guile and footwork and speed. Um, yeah, it, it's it's actually kind of hard to believe this will be Jalen Brown's second All-Star game. Like he just he feels like he's been such a preeminent player for so long. It's going to be a second All-Star game. Oh, he's been in a shitload of playoff games at this point. Yeah. And, and he's, and, almost, and, he's and, almost been in probably in like 90 playoff games. And a no-brainer uh, All-Star. I mean, we don't even have to 
Yeah, I had I had the the five guys and then the three guys that I felt like were no brainers. Um, actually, two, two and a half. Embiid and Jalen Brown. Let's talk about Embiid. He's twenty eight to thirty nine. They're twenty four and fifteen. They're seven and four without him, and he's going to miss a couple more. There's some sore foot thing. I'll just say it's kind of quiet right now in Philly for Embiid on. Game three of sore foot, as you know, nothing scares me more in the world than centers with feet or shins or any sort of anything from below the knee. Makes me fucking nervous. And we he has a injury history, obviously. With all that said, um, a ridiculous offensive <sighs> season so far. He's almost 34 a game, 10 rebounds. Usage almost 38, which is like really, really like almost record setting high for a center. Um 11.6 free throw attempts, which you know I love. And when he plays, he's played big minutes and he's played awesome. And he's had some best player in the court games. It made me think like, oh. I think I've said this before, but don't you think they should just keep track of who the best player in the court was for every game? Just so we could see what that looks like at the end of the year. Just best player in the court. I know it's subjective, but it would be fun to look at the end of the year and be How like, How many Whoa, times? Yeah. Jokic had 39 best player in the court games. <laughs> Um, Embiid's had definitely, uh, he's in the top five for best player in the court games. I don't, but, and he has that sort of, he and Harden have the pick and roll, obviously, but he has that like 13 foot jumper out of the pick and roll where he just like right inside the foul line, he takes a regular pick and pop jump shot. And yeah. your only defense against that is like, you just have to hope he misses. You have to hope he has a cold night because some nights he'll make like 70% of those shots. You're like, oh, okay, we lost. Like, there's nothing you can do. Um, yeah, the Shaq, when Shaq was at his peak and he was unbelievable and he was so dominant, it was mostly brute force, right? There was, yeah. a, especially we were coming out of like watching Kareem and watching Hakeem, especially Hakeem and Mikhail and these people that had just become artists on the low posts. And Shaq was never an artist, but he he was so athletic and he was so much fun to watch, but you would never have called him an artist. Like he had good footwork. The stuff Embiid has added the last couple of years, there's some real artistry to it. Oh, um, that little one-legged shot he has, and um, some of his like drop step stuff. I I do feel like he's worked on it, and he's gotten better on it, and he probably doesn't get enough credit for it. Yeah, and he's he's at his best when he's decisive, like when he when he catches and just goes, and he knows what he wants to do. There's no nothing anyone can do with him. The only the only semi 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 weak spot is that his turnovers are up a little bit this year. He can get a little sloppy yeah. passing it, but he's a that game he had against Utah when he had 50, whatever he had. Oh, my God. Like, I watched that he, one. I, I, you just sat back and you're like, this guy is just, uh, I mean, man among boys. Like, there's just nothing anybody on the court can do with this guy. It's He's doing whatever he wants. Yeah, Pretty Shaq, crazy. People, Shaq was like, there, there are play, teams would sign players whose entire job was to just foul Shaq. Like just we, we right. need we need like three backup centers and your whole job's just foul check because there's nothing else we can do. Yeah, he did that thing where he just he if he got to his spot in the block, it was over. If he was within four and a half feet of the basket, like what were you gonna do? It's foul. Because all he did was swing around and it was done. Um I would say so it's January tenth, two thousand twenty-three. Embiid was in the two thousand fourteen draft. I would say Embiid has reached expectations for whatever the best possible expectations were for eh, this guy, Kansas, hasn't spent a lot of time um, playing basketball, 
we'll see where this goes. I remember at the draft, I compared him to like Serge Ibaka because I did that draft. And I was like, I think this guy is like a Serge, he could be like a better Serge Ibaka basically. Because you remember he was skinnier and he just seemed mm-hmm. like, and now he's morphed into what he's morphed into. But when you think like how many nadirs we had with the Joel experience, like it's kind of amazing. The guy's averaging 34 points a game. Missed, missed two full seasons at the start of his career. A lot of organizational drama. It's a big season for the Sixers, by the way, it was, as we know. But it's a big season for the Sixers. Like it, it's, And also, it, you say organizational drama, also like some, some whiffs. Like oh. Just like some fork-in-the-road trades where even in the moment it seemed like a little sketchy. And then it couldn't have worked out worse. Like even if you just said the Fultz trade, the Mar- and the Mikael Bridges trade, like those are just he could just easily have Tatum and Bridges on his team. You just stop, stop if doing you ju- that. If you just went people. chalk. Um. All right, now it gets a little harder. So you have for your starters, you're putting the four best I, with Mitchell. Yeah, I, I, I cheated. I'll have. To I went call, a little more traditional. This when it counts. I went more traditional with Giannis at center, Durant, Tatum, Mitchell, and Halbert. But even then, I cheated slightly with Giannis at center. And if Giannis isn't a center, then I'm going to cheat the other way and make Tatum a guard and put Embiid in there. After this, then the all-star candidates, and you're going to reveal all of them in your column. You're not going to name all your all-stars today, but um, I'm just in order of guys that I think have to be discussed. DeRozan. Having a better year statistically than he had last year. Um, got got hurt last night, hopefully. Got hurt last serious. night. It should be okay, but it's funny because I had written down 41 of 41 games. He's durable yet again. He is two games away from a thousand, Zach Lowe. Plus 63 wow. playoff games. He's played over 37,000 minutes. He's 33 years old and still looks like the same DeRozan we've been watching for Better. seven Better. years. Yeah. 36 minutes a game, which I appreciate. Um, and this 19 and 22 bowl season, I was in blow it up mode with them, but watching them the last couple of weeks, it's clear that they should not blow it up. I think they have to take it right to the right to the edge of the trade deadline and see where they are and see what the record is. They do have some good pieces, but Levine's going again. Um, not an all star. Do we agree? Not an all star this year. Oh Levine. God, no, no, no. I, I haven't liked some of the stuff. Just, I saw just, but just for purposes of this podcast, that's not to, yeah. to, to say anything. He's happy, like you said, the last two weeks he's looked like Zach Levine again, and, and he has had some monster, monster games. The the Bulls are, you can already see what their future is, which is the the one and two seeds being like, kind of don't want to see the Bulls as an eight seed, if that, if that's okay. Give me one of the shittier teams. You know who I, like I don't want to see when I'm the one seed in round one is the fucking Bulls. No thanks. I like that you're planning your flag on being bullish on the Bulls when everyone spent this entire last calendar <sighs> being like, eh, it's not going to work. They're mediocre. They stink. Like KOC's been on blow it up mode for right. a, and a I while. And I 1,000 percent agreed with them. Big, well, you know how I felt about those Lakers picks. I was like, I just want to be the first in line for the Laker picks. They're handing them out. I'll take them. Thank you. Um, this is great because you're not going to have a team in five years of anybody. Um, but I don't know. I... I, I think the last three weeks, they've kind of figured some stuff out. There was a moment there where I, I actually thought Donovan was one of the worst coaches in the league. I didn't understand some of the stuff they were doing. Um, well, next Pat, guy. Well, yeah, anyway, I don't want to talk about the Bulls. Yeah, next, so go ahead. So DeMar, yeah, he's on my... You remember I said I had my five starters and I had five guys I felt like 
pretty confident these guys should be there. He's one of Demar's them. Demar's one of them. Is Siakam another one of them? Yes. Yeah. And another one where 26, 8, and 7, that seems like a lot for points, rebounds, and assists. That's like a that's like a vintage LeBron season. And he's and he's slowed down a little bit in the last three or four weeks. But yeah, and they're they're plus three and a half per hundred with him on the floor, minus five with him off the floor. Something's just wrong with their team, though. Some, yeah. Something is just wrong with their team. I, I, and I, Nurse I knows it because he he keeps he's playing everybody big minutes. I which is always to. the sign of like, I don't really trust what's happening here. I'm just going to play my best guys and keep my fingers crossed. I would love to have been in their draft room when it, they picked Malachi Flynn over Desmond Bain. I, I wonder how mm. in on Bain they were because there's such a length and wingspan construction right now. And that was the knock on Bain, right? That he was, his doesn't have a great wingspan. He's too small, blah, blah. But like that's, that, that one hurts. There's a lot of Desmond Bain regret around the league to be clear. But like that was, that was right there for him. Uh, yeah, but Siakam, Van, Siakam's got to be in the all-star game. I don't think Van Bleed's played well. I don't think he thinks he's played well. I mean, he's been and, he's been on podcasts galore the last yeah. couple of weeks, basically saying I'm shooting like crap and I need to shoot better. And you know, undersized point guard who's not a great great playmaker, like just needs to make more threes. Just he's never been a good two point shooter. Needs to make threes. And Barnes, we covered. Yeah, it's that that team feels off. If it's moved to number one on the who's going to make a trade rankings, I, to me they're the clear number one now. So they'll do something. And also, a team that you've been wired in with for over a decade now, a team just completely unafraid to zag. Or the Raptors? You, yeah, they, they are an all-time, we don't care. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever if we don't like what we see or if we like what we see, just be prepared. They're the guy in your fantasy draft that keeps you on your toes year after year. Like, what are these guys doing? Yes this team, no. I could see them blowing it up. I could see them go. I could see them adding. I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, I don't know what to make of them either. But they did. The flip side is they held on to those Lowry DeRozan teams for like a long time. A, a, like past right. when people thought like, yeah, okay, they're cute. They won't. We know they won't win against LeBron. Like they, you they could left. argue that that was a good move. I mean, they they no, remember totally. they made they the, the conference finals that one year. I don't know. I I. When you're playing Scotty Barnes as like a super undersized center, that that's just a gimmick. That means you don't know what to do with your team. Another team that I don't think knows what to do with their team. Um, and one of my, my next all star guy is uh, Bam. Yeah, we got the same. We got the same kind same of 10. like uh, yeah. Next, Bam's got to be there. Bam has been. I know I'm captain of the Bam wagon, but yeah. 21 and 10, three assists, uh, 54% shooting, plus three with him on the floor, minus five and a half per 100 when he sits. They, 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 he's, and defensively, he's everywhere all the time. He's been sensational for them. Absolutely has got to be in the All-Star game, I think. Why is that team 21 and 20, in your opinion? Uh, I mean, how many games does Butler miss now? 14. Bams uh. miss four. Lowry is, Lowry is, uh, a, a single digit, regular single digit score. Uh, you know, they've had some injuries. Their depth has been suspect compared to how it usually is. But yeah, they're not. I mean, you look at but Butler, Bam, and Hero have been like all pretty much at expectations when they've played. And they're still 21 and 20. Now they are starting to get healthy. And I think they're like nine and five in their last 14, which is not great. But, you know, let's give it a month and see, see if they can put it together. Because they, 
they more than the Bulls. Maybe it may, you know, you 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 kind of hinted at the Bulls is like I don't want to see those guys. Oh, Miami is definitely, seed. and I don't want to see those guys. Yeah, because they have so is, much confidence. Yeah, Miami is, I think, outranks the Bulls as like, ooh, I got to play them in the first round. That's kind of a crappy reward for being the number one seed or number two seed or whatever. You could feel it in that Friday Celtics game, the second one of the back-to-back. When Butler came back, Boston was just sailing. And Miami that whole game was like, all right, let's see how good you are. And they just beat the shit out of the Celtics for four quarters. I thought the Sunday moment, the crunch time when there's like four seconds left and like Jimmy's getting the ball. I wonder, is he going to do the thing where he runs to the corner and shoots the three or is he just going to barrel the basket and try to get a call? And he did the Jimmy thing where he just like beats, he beats somebody. He flung himself, I think into a Royce O'Neal and does that thing where it does, it just seems like he's trying to get contact, but then he'll almost make the shot. And then he puts the ref in the position of, do I call that? What was that? That guy initiated it. And it was a good no call. But he's fucking scary. He's scary at all points of the game. And you're right. I don't want to see him in the finals. You don't think there's no trade possibility with him, right? With them trading him? Yeah, let's say they're 22 and 29 in three weeks. He's tough to trade, man. That contract's a big contract, but uh, I, it's a lot I, of money th- left. That would okay. surprise me. That would okay. surprise me. So we've so we've named, well, however we arrange them, we've named ten guys who are our first ten guys. We actually both, without consulting each other, had yep. the same first ten guys: Tatum, Giannis, Durant, Embiid, Mitchell, Siakam, Bam, Tyrese, DeRozan, Brown. So we only got two spots left. That's it. If, right. if we think and, those are the top ten, there's only two left, and then it gets tricky. Because, like, I don't know, the the advanced stats, as long as we're on the heat, like, scream that Jimmy Butler is still Jimmy Butler, and he's missed 14 games. Harden's missed 15 games. He's going to lead the league in assists once he qualifies over Halliburton. Like, I don't know what to do with any of these guys. You won't be shocked to know Harden wasn't on my final list. Why, though? Because I have other guys I like. Let's take, we'll take one more break, and then we'll, we'll zip through this. All right, you asked me why Harden wasn't on my list. So let's just say I have a guard spot and a front court spot left. And the guards that we haven't gone through yet are Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brunson, Darius Garland, and a guy that you and I value probably more than anybody except for her owl, Bob, uh, Drew Holiday, who I just, I blind put him in. It's like when I see, when I see the French onion soup at dinner, and I'm like, this place has French onion soup. <laughs> Blind in. I'm not, not even thinking about it. You know I'm what? I'm not going to look at the kitchen. I'm not you know going to ask questions. I'm in. Cr- crispy Brussels sprouts appetizer. There, every, so, every time. so crispy Brussels sprouts for you, French onion soup for, for me, and Drew Holiday for both of us. Just blind in. <laughs> He's always in the mix. Um, so Kyrie is having an awesome statistical season. Really no different than every other Kyrie season because he's always 25, 5, and 5. He's always around 50, 40, 90. He's been on his best behavior for six weeks. Now Durant's out. And Kyrie's in I got this mode now, which I think could go in a variety of directions. We saw one direction when he ended the game the other night with the 35-foot shot with six seconds left on the clock that they put back in. But that was like, uh-oh, that wasn't a great sign. I have no idea where it could go. He could do something dumb or say something dumb at any moment and blow this up. But it's looked pretty good for six weeks. He's been on his best behavior. And I and I think he's played really hard on both ends. He's like rebounding. He's diving into traffic. So 
he's not one of my favorite players, but I got to hand it to him. You, you, he's going to get one of your last two spots? No. I just got to hand it to him for... He, <laughs> I thought he hit rock bottom as an asset. Yeah, I, don't I was know on this to... podcast once with Michael Pena like five weeks ago. I was like, would you trade Dinwiddie and Dwight Powell for Kyrie? And Michael was like, no. And I was like, you're right. I wouldn't either. Like, I wouldn't... It's too, Kyrie's too risky. And now he's kind of at least rehabilitated himself. Look, 26, 26, 5 and 5. The shooting numbers are what they are. He's only missed 10 games. Like, like he's missed fewer yeah. games than Butler, Harden, even Drew It was a loud 10 games. It was very loud. Well, that's the... It's just it's just the thing that I struggle... I, I will struggle with is like, can I be an all-star when I, I tweet out let's just call it a problematic movie and I get suspended and the anti-defamation league is like, yeah, we don't want your money. Uh, and then my whole team is like in complete chaos because of me. And now that's passed and they're not in complete chaos anymore. But if we're looking at this season, like, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tough one. Fortunately, he's not on our list. Garland, I want to get to Brunson because Brunson's going to be my pick. You mentioned all the Garland stuff. I just want to pay homage to him for eight seconds. I just like the, I'm just glad people like Garland still exist in basketball. These kind of unselfish point guards who can look for their own stuff, but are concerned about the other guys. I don't think we have a lot of them anymore. So I don't want him to feel slighted in case, um, in case he heard I, this for some reason. I love Darius Garland. Me too. And the, the best compliment I can give him is I feel very comfortable when the ball is in his hands, if I'm a Cavs fan. I trust his decision-making. I trust his shooting. Someone on Twitter I saw compared him to Steve Nash the other night. And although oh, that's interesting, players, I thought I was thinking more younger Chris Paul, he reminds me of. But, it, it you know, he does the under-the-rim thing that Nash used yeah. to do and all that. Like, I, I get, I get who, I apologize, I don't, I can't credit the person, I don't remember who they were, but I, I get that because I just, there's a certain just sort of like, all right, the right decision is going to be made here because Darius Garland has the ball. I'm a huge fan. I can't wait to see where his career is. It just seems like he just gets it. I want my point guard to get it. He understands like, I've got to take care of guys on my team, when to lay out, that he just wants the team to win. He wants to make the right play. And I think last year he's put in that position of kind of having to do too much because they didn't really have any creators. And that's not who he is. I think he's a way more unselfish player than that. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. All right, so All right, I have sell him. me, sell me on. You don't actually have to sell me on Brunson, but let me hear. Well, the, quickly let me on hear Holiday. Do you know how many years Holiday's been in the league? I remember those Sixers teams. It's got to be so like 13 years, 12 years. Yeah. Drew Holiday's a 14 year veteran. Yeah, he's 32 years old. He's played 867 games, 65 playoff games, and 30,000 plus minutes, and he's not even in his mid 30s yet. I don't understand it, um, but he's having a typical Drew Holiday season. All right, here's the Jalen Brunson case. First of all, the Knicks are 22 and 19. Second of all, in the last five minutes of a game, not only are they not a disaster, there's real confidence from the fans, from the players that we're in good hands with Jalen Brunson, which when was the last fucking time the Knicks could say that? He's averaging 22, 4, and 7. He's not a 50, 40, 90 guy, but not far away. 47, 38, 85. Usage rate, 26.4. Old school, 80s guy. Um, fourth and clutch scoring. Just total number of points. 
And it feels like his team, which I think is the single most important thing. And I would give him my guard spot right now if the season ended today, because I think to go into that weird Knicks situation, the city that always feels like they never found the right point guard. Oh, we didn't get Mitchell, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, Jalen Brunson, so much money. And then he's just made it his team. And I love watching him. And I think in crunch time, he can go toe-to-toe against these other dudes. We saw it last night. He went toe-to-toe with Holiday. Um, he's a toe-to-toe guy, which they've never had. So right now, I'd give him the spot. Yeah, he's he's uh, 29 of 53 from the field in the last five minutes of games when the score's within five <laughs> wow. points. It's like almost 60%. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, I don't like to think about All-Star this way because every team context is so different, but you do run into these things where it's like, is it weird to give the Knicks two All-Stars, but the Bucks just one? That feels weird, but it, yeah. maybe it isn't weird. Like if you had to pick Brunson or Randall, you only get one Nick. You're picking yeah. Brunson? No, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm picking Brunson and I think I'm picking Jimmy Butler over Randall. If those are my choices, I think I would rather have Butler and Brunson than Randall and, uh, and holiday. And I, I think like now I'm going to neg Drew holiday, even though I, I just, I, we just loved him. Um, I do think that part of their creator issues that they've had this year, it should be a tiny bit blame on him, right? Like, yeah, you don't have Middleton for the whole year. Like, can you step up? And he kind of is who he is. But at the same time, I love him. He's one of my favorite players. Um, this Jalen Brunson thing. Is this a 2004 Nash level mistake for you yet? That Dallas didn't oh. keep him? Oh. Turn the fucking TikTok camera on, Kyle. Oh. That, that even. Because that- here, here's why I mentioned that. Now, obviously, Nash losing Nash for sixty million. There were some defensible pieces to that. He got his ass kicked in the playoff series that year. He had some back issues. I don't think anybody could have predicted the hand check rules and all the things that moved into Nash's favor. At the same time, it was fucking stupid not to keep Steve Nash. And even even no one could have predicted D'Antoni would like come in and revolutionize the no, league. You can't predict all that stuff, and yet it was stupid not to keep Steve Nash. And they signed Eric Dampier, which is worse. This Brunson thing to me is more inexcusable, more indefensible and stupider because they could have had him for four for 55 before the season. They could have had him for four for 55 in January during the season. Rick Brunson, you can go back and read this. Rick Brunson, who was handling it for his son, he said, quote, I told the Mavericks once the season has started, there's no contract talk. And I went back against my word. In January, I thought he did enough where he deserved the extension. I said, hey, take the money, man. He wants security. He wants to live here. And they declined. And now I'm saying he's going to be an all-star in the East. And the Dallas is wasting this incredible Luka season where they have no second star, basically. I think it's almost worse to waste the Luka season. As great as Dirk was, Luka's... Luka's... The ceiling of him is just higher. Like, they, if they had Brunson, you would say they're probably the favorite in the West or co-favorite. So I don't think it's quite a Nash level mistake, but I'm ready to have the conversation, Zach Lowe. I mean, Nash is a two-time I get MVP. It. I get it. Um, there's also the, like, if they had Brunson, they probably wouldn't have Wood thing, um, which I, I don't know if you care about that, but it might be an either or just financially. Um, I don't care. It, it, you may um, not care. Um, I'm good. It, and uh, 
but all the I, I've said this before, all the focus on the extension that they did, that they didn't offer in a timely enough fashion, which would look like they would be the best contract in the NBA right now, or, or top five yes. contract in the NBA from a team value perspective. I, I remember talking about this right be- a month into the season with a, a smart person from another team said, well, Zach, forget, forget about that. Like, why didn't they just pay him the max? Like, like why, what, why didn't they just outbid the Knicks? Like that was an option too. And, and they, like when the when the when the fallback plan is nothing, just just pay him thirty million dollars and hope he's worth it. And I was like, oh man, I didn't really think I've been thinking so much about four years, fifty five. I kind of forgot they could have just done that too. It's I think it's a bigger mistake because it's less defensible. Losing Nash obviously and he becomes that's like a higher end mistake. This is like I still can't believe they didn't see what they had. I think they overreacted because he wasn't that great in the 21 playoffs. And probably you can't predict what was going to happen down the stretch in the 22 playoffs. But holy shit. And then it was so funny. Like, I'm sure you had Knicks fans in your life too who were like, what the fuck with this Jalen Brunson? Why are we paying him 110 million and just having to have over and over the conversation of like, um, Jalen Brunson's good. He's a good <laughs> player. Guy, he's completely he's a good player. You guys unafraid. A, you guys haven't had a reliable point guard in. Yeah. Forever, you know. I mean, Derrick yeah. Rose has been really good for them. Changed their season a couple seasons ago, and they won forty eight games. But you know that there's an expiration date on De- De- and a minutes limit on Derrick Rose. It's such a bummer because Luca is so special that I'm just I'm trying to maintain every good piece I have around that guy, and you just can't say that not keeping him four for fifty five is nothing. I mean, that's fucking. They're paying sixteen million for Bertans, seventeen for Tim Hardaway. What twelve for Reggie Bullock, eleven for Dwight Powell, but but the sixteen for Brunson was the deal breaker. It's it's I, weird. It doesn't add up. I do think you're right that his playoff performance pre last year's conference finals run probably yeah. sparked some like ooh small guard playoffs. You know they we run into these teams. They put big wings on him. Is that going to just be a thing for his whole career? I do think that may have factored into it, even as a trade asset four for 55 and you can put him with two other contracts. I look, man, they've had a lot of, a lot of turmoil and topsy turvy shit happening in that organization, including our friend Haral Bob was there. Who's no longer there. Um, I just think they missed the boat on that one. The, uh, Julius Randall, we mentioned, and the only one we didn't mention is just if they do that weird thing where they feel like they have to put another center, Jared Allen versus Nick Claxton. Um, I can't believe Nick Claxton, I even wrote him down in an all-star list, but <laughs> defensively, he's been an absolute monster and he has to be at least mentioned. I completely agree. And I said on my pod that just got came out today, I'm going to sound like an insane person, but I put Nick Claxton on my like long list of all-star candidates. So can I, can I throw a couple names at you and you can tell me um, how seriously you consider them? I have five more names on my list that we haven't mentioned. So you, uh, you let's see if they're, it's on the list. Brooke Lopez? Didn't have him on. Not enough scoring? Not enough scoring. I do think his... <laughs> the pivot that his career took over the last six years is just confounding. I don't I understand mean, how he turned into this player versus where we were in 2014. I don't understand it. Shooting 38% on threes, 61% on twos. Might be the defense player of the year front runner. I would not vote for him as defense player of the year, but a lot of people will. Yeah, I'd vote him pretty high, but 
Uh, I would think you'd have to say over Bam if we're talking. So you're saying you would have him over the Claxton and Jared Allen combo. I'm just saying he's on my... uh, I think I actually would have him over both of those guys. Um, Okay. I'll tell you the numbers... Don't say it. Don't. No. No. Okay. Don't. Who do you think I was going to say? Were you going to say Trey Young right there? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry, the numbers I both, you. I got both, upset. Tra- both traditional counting stats and a, the advanced numbers actually quite surprised me. Kristaps Porzingis has a real all-star case. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, like, why are you laughing? No, I looked you, at it too, and then I was like, ah, it's Kristaps re- Porzingis. I can't do it. What? What is it? Just that they play for the Wizards? Like that? And Wizards is a silly name. Like twenty-two and nine on good shooting, good defense. The team no, is good know, when I he's know. on the floor. Like I don't like oh, the know. advanced numbers are good. And I you know. just laughed. It just seems like when the Wizards are on anyone's schedule, the other team says, oh, let's rest Kawhi today or whoever it is. Can my, if we're given Claxton and Jared Allen a look, um, can Miles Turner get a look? I mean, he has better numbers yeah, he than should. both of them. He probably should. Okay. I was just looking at the Nick Claxton defense stuff like blew my mind and Jared Allen reputation. Just that, uh, you know, Miles Turner, about, 17, 17 and 8, 38% from three, 64% from two. Defense is, you know, it's Miles Turner. He's pretty damn good. Also, seems really psyched to be on this team. I, I can't say I love Miles' body language playing when the Twin Towers with Sabonis and just being used as a three-point shooter, and I don't blame him. But really, I, it's funny, like him... Halliburton, Buddy Heald, who I think people always thought was kind of an issue in Sacramento on and off the court to play with and maybe wasn't always the happiest guy, but I think in Indiana, he seems super happy. Um, It's just funny that Carlisle is overseeing this team of like this young, happy team of reclaimed projects. And it wasn't what I would have predicted with Carlisle. Give me, I'm... I want to know the other names that you said you had five other names on your list. I, 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 I'm hoping there was one guy that I just thought you were not going to be able to resist just mentioning his name in the conversation. And I'm wondering if he's on your list. Well, I was looking at forward backups for Randall and Butler. Here it comes. Here it comes. I can feel it. Franz? Yes! That's the one. I knew it. I was like, he's totally, he's, Franz is going to be, look, man, 20, he 24 and four, 49, 35, 86%. He's, I'm looking at the, he's on my long list too. I just, I just like, I know he's going to find a way to work Franz Wagner into this. Oh, I know it. No, he's my, he, I have him like 15th on my list. I, uh, would you trade, would you trade, um, do you think the Celtics would trade Tatum for Franz Wagner? Would you do that? Stop. <laughs> Is Franz Wagner the number would, would one the pick Celtics in that draft? Throw, would the Celtics have to throw in a pick? Stop. Um, here's the other thing with Franz Wagner. Really weird guard situation on that team, right? It's just you like... Think? It's Paolo, just like every he's night... He's the starting two guard with, next to Bull Bull yeah. and Bancaro and Wendell Carter Jr. when they're healthy. And then it's like, oh, Anthony's playing today. Oh, here's Suggs. Oh, like, but it doesn't seem to really matter. And I, I've been shocked by how much magic I've watched. Was not expecting that. Yeah. So if we redid the draft, Mobley's one, but I think Franz is two, and I I don't even really think it's debatable. Cade's three. Uh, is he? Well, wait. We Scotty Barnes will be three. Is he? 
Well, who were you? Who am I forgetting? Your guy, Jalen Green. Her, are you going to say Herb Jones should be the number three pick in the draft? I love Josh Giddy. Oh, Josh Giddy's good. Josh Giddy's really good. I think if I had to do it over again, I would do Mobley, Franz, and I think Giddy's third for me. Can we and, just do and Cade, a- Cade drops to four only because I don't understand what's going on with his leg or why he had to miss the whole season. So, can we I'm, just take a quick detour? Um, given the Jalen Gra- Jalen Green mention and your 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 often often again on again relationship with Jalen Green friendship, yeah. we'll call it a friendship. Yeah, um, I'm rooting for him. Wh- like, what's your level of concern watching the Rockets? Like, I don't uh, under I don't really like understand what's what's happening high. there. High. Should we just leave it there? Like I, I watched them. I'm like, this is none of the guys have gotten better except for Shengun. Shengun's good. I don't, I don't, I thought, I just thought Green was going to be a little, little more advanced this year as a creator. But I, I don't. They just seem like a mess. I don't think there's real stakes because they, you know, they're in the Wembenyama thing. I don't think that coach is necessarily going to be there next year. And uh, I, it's alarming sometimes with them. You've you're flicking on league pass and it's like, oh, the Rockets are down 30. It's not good. And I don't love the body language. I just don't like a lot of it so far. Now we're the, now the Rockets fans are going to get mad again. The Eric Gordon, uh, no improvement. No improvement. The, the other day was yeah. like, oh, he's just, he's he's one step from writing trade me on his shoes like Chris Morris back in the day. Well, you know, when when the players start talking to the press that there are problems, that's when that's like the final level. That's why this Atlanta thing got so weird. Nate McMillan, like openly talking to the press about, you know, about stories being written about the team. And, um, yeah. So anyway, I have, I have, uh, I had Franz, I wrote down Bogdanovich and Kuzma just cause of the stats they are putting up, but yeah, you got to write them um, down. You got to write, write them down. down. And then the last guy I wrote down was Trey Young. Oh, I, I guess we didn't mention, we didn't really talk about Harden. Harden's 22, 11, and 6, but he's missed a ton of I, I games. I think Harden, I think you're underselling Harden. Let me make the case for Harden, and it's not a case that I'm thrilled to make. 22, 11, and 6 would lead mm. the league in assists if he qualified. Yeah, but didn't because he's missed 16 shooting, games. But, that, but that's, yeah, he's missed 15 games. That's fine. Everyone's missed some amount of games. A lot of people have missed games. Um, plus 6.5 with him on the floor per 100 possessions versus plus 1.5 off. And they are they are a solid positive when he plays without Embiid, which is which is that's been the the missing ingredient for them. I think he's been really really good, and you just he's an absolute zero defensively. Okay, I'm just going to add that to <laughs> I mean, everything gonna, you laid out. I'm not going to argue with that. He's I don't z- think zero. He's like a DH. He's a DH. Think, okay, I'm. I think he deserves. So you just he's out for you. Too many missed games. I, no, if he had played 34 games instead of 40, I, I probably would have had him on. But he's missed 16 games and he doesn't play defense. So you knew you're not even going to give. Did you at least write down Dejounte Murray? You know, no. I didn't. I just I tried to keep it a Hawks free list. Wait, I have wow. one thing on Harden. So from 17 to 21, the five seasons, he was 10 and a half free throw attempts a game. 54% on two-pointers. Okay. Last two seasons, 7.9 free throw attempts a game, 47.7% on two-pointers. I get nervous yeah, I when, when you're a guard, if you're under 50% on two-pointers and your free throw attempts are going down, 
50 years of watching the league and studying the stats and stuff, to me, that points to the arrow pointing down. Well, I don't think anyone would argue with you there. I just, and 48% on twos, you'd like to be better. I would just say eight free throw attempts a game is still a lot. And if I'm just considering this year and my, and and if I'm the Sixers, my goals of winning the title this year and James Harden's all-star candidacy this year, like for a guard, that's still a lot of free throws. For James Harden, it's not it's a less. lot of free throws. But that's and there's still some games where good. he just seems like he's 25 feet from the basket, and that's how he's decided to play that night's game. Um, the Trey thing, 28 and 10, the 31% three-point shooting is just absolutely bizarre. The usage rate of <laughs> almost 34%. Um, he doesn't play defense at all. He's gets picked on constantly and I'm just disappointed. I wanted him to be better as a basketball player after five years in the league. And I don't feel like he's any different than he was three years ago, unfortunately. Yeah, they're getting outscored when he's on the floor. They're minus five per under possessions when he plays without DeJounte. Everyone stands around and watches him. I do think that it's a real thing of like, if this guy dominates the ball and I have to cover for him all the time on defense, like that's going to strain any team, any team. And... Might he be two coaches, hit, two, two coaches in the Trey Young graveyard soon. It, he hasn't hit enough threes. Like he's still, he's a, an offense unto himself. I mean, that's the thing. But like the Hawks are 22nd in offense. Like very quietly, the Hawks have been a bad offensive team and they're built to be a, re, they were number two last year and they're built to be a great offensive team and a team that just does just enough on defense. Like they're 22nd in offense. The only silver lining, I mentioned this last week on the pod, is that they're when their best five guys play together, the plus minus stuff's pretty good. Yeah, they're, so they're at least starting that's like a foundation. A yeah, the, that's a foundation of the other silver something. lining is they is they traded one fewer first round pick for Dejounte Murray than the Timberwolves traded for Rudy Gobert. <laughs> uh, and they have to pay Murray what in a year, year and three months, and he's not going to be taking a discount. I would, I would think not. DeJounte Murray's really good. I'm not making fun of the trade. I'm just saying, I'm just highlighting. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist bringing up Gobert. Can I ask you a question? If they traded DeJounte Murray again in the next 12 months, if he moved the second time, would you be shocked? No, nothing would shock me. Nothing. Okay. If they traded Trey Young in 18 months, it wouldn't shock me. If they traded Trey Young in six months, would you be shocked? What is it now? January? Uh, yeah. So you're... I'm shocked? No, I mean it's hard. What what's the last trade that shocked you? I guess Halliburton Sabonis was like, whoa, that was it. Like, but what what actually is that? Would actually Harden back in the day, Harden one shock. Like what what Harden one point trade? Yeah. Um, what 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 actually shocked you? Like what if Halliburton like, Sabonis was a jaw dropper? I mean, let me guys, ask you like, this: the, the top ten guys don't get traded, so it's like there's no like. Obviously, if Giannis got traded, that would be a shocker, but those things don't happen. If Trey Young got traded within the next four weeks, would you be shocked? No, me neither. I think the last truly shocking thing that happened was Kawhi going to the Clippers and Paul George joining him. That, that whole, was a, whatever that, was that a, night was. That, that was, was, I think, a, the last like truly jaw dropping, shocking night we've had in the NBA. When there was a literal earthquake in Las Vegas during yeah. summer league. Uh, that, that was, was that, that was one, one. Nobody saw that one coming. Um, 
Porzingis to Dallas kind of came fast. Oh, the Kyrie trade was kind of shocking to Boston. That was a good that was, one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That, that was, the timing of that one was weird too. That was a late, late in the game. Yeah. Trade. This, okay. All right. I'm so glad we got through this whole pod without talking about LeBron or the Lakers. I will be joining you on what Friday morning. We're doing the low post. Yeah, that's the plan. After after what I, I'm going to because I'm going to Celtics Nets Thursday, which was supposed to be a a mega game and is now less of a mega game. And I have bad news for you: we are going to have to talk about LeBron and the Lakers on the low I can't post. Wait. We're doing um, Western Conference All Stars. Can one request? Can we put a time limit on how long we're allowed to talk about Jokic? Like maybe I we think, have Dan, your producer. Maybe it's like 12 minutes and we have to move on. We're not allowed I, to go more than 12 minutes. I think that's like how every group needs a designated driver or something. <laughs> like we just, we just, someone needs to regulate us on Jokic. Um, people, people, a couple of people are like, dude, you're pretty overboard on Jokic. So I'm like, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Says who? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I never thought I would see anybody do the bird magic stuff again. I just did. I'm so delighted by it. 25, 11, and 9.7 assists. And he's shooting 62%. I wa- I can't believe it's how many... It's hard to go overboard. It's hard. I, I can't believe how many Nuggets games I watch. They're and I'm starting to, to think about them mentally. Like, as I watch them, like, oh, man, one more shooter. And... And we're good. And I'm like, oh, no, no. But I just want Jokic to have a moment we, so badly. We? Why, we? Why, I'm, I'm, it's just Jokic, not the Nuggets. I what just if want they him to make the, the finals. In the finals. What if well, they then I root the for the Celtics. That'll be fine. But I want Jokic to make the finals because I don't want him to be a guy that he's, you know, about to turn 30. I'm like, well, he never made the finals. And then it's like, fuck you. That's not why we watch this stuff. This guy is the most fun play- guy to play with in the league since I don't even remember when. Certainly since you and I knew each other. And he does stuff every night that I've just never seen before. And he's he's just... Anyway, all right. Well, we used up two of the 10, 12 minutes for Friday. Uh, Zach Lowe, good to see you. I'll see you on Friday. Always fun. I'll talk to you. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Zach Lowe. Thanks to Kyle Creighton. Don't forget, uh, Rewatchables went up Monday night. We did Sideways, and then I'm going to be on the Off the Pike podcast on Wednesday talking Red Sox and Patriots. And if you want to hear more basketball or read more basketball, go to uh, the Ringer Podcast Network or theringer.com where we just ranked top 100 players. I will see you on the Boston Pod on Wednesday and on this feed on Thursday, the big playoff preview round one. Can't wait.